Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. Your pastors, and we love them because of who they are and what they stand for. They love Jesus more than they love people. And that's why they're good pastors. And so we want to say thank you for allowing us. It's always an honor just to, to, to be speaking to people and to, for pastors to allow us to do that. It's very unique. And pastor knows they travel quite a bit uh, and speak. And it's a great honor. We don't take this lightly. I think what Rose said is very important is that when you come into the house of God, this is going to change your life today. If it doesn't change your life, something's wrong. Come on. This is the house of God. This is not a movie theater. This is not a restaurant. This is the house of God. And when you come in, somebody's been praying and fasting for you. And so the heavens are opening up, and it's a heaven. It's a gateway or a window to heaven today. Whatever you need, you're going to get because the windows are going to be opened, and you're going to see a way. I said you're going to see the way to get to it. Amen? Men want victory. God gives strategy. So you're going to get a strategy today. I find that he likes us to be off the bench and in the game. How about you? Amen. So he's going to put you in the game. Do you have anything to write with today? Yeah. Can you write quickly? Good, because I'm going to speak quickly today. I have to, I'll slow down in the second service, but I'm going to speed up a little bit today. Is that okay? And as, uh, you know, um, great time at the pastor's house last night with their family. And we, we love their family with Nick and Josh and Brandon and Christina and uh, just just being with them again. They've come down to Intense. How many of you men came to Intense this year? Come on, give it a whoop whoop or something. You guys did an awesome job. Drove uh, 30 hours on a bus two years in a row. And this year you guys took away some hardware. You, got, you guys showed everybody how to do that stuff. And, and I want to talk about that because it took commitment, didn't it? I mean, it took commitment for these guys to come down. And if you hadn't come, you need to come on the bus. And uh, when they drove up in that bus, they were ready to win. And, and I loved it because it, it sparked some fierce competition. And so uh, that, to me, ought to be how life is lived. Huh. Today, today what I want to do is I've I just, I just been struggling. My wife can tell you, she said, what are you going to preach? I don't know. I just really want to be led by the Holy Spirit because I've got a million messages and books and all that kind of good stuff. That's all good. But don't you want something fresh? I, I do. I want, to, I want it worse than you do. I want to hear what God has for you because I believe he has something for the world, and I believe it's you. And I don't know how you're going to come out of this locker room and save the world if you're not fed. So today, write it down. If it's not written down, it doesn't exist. If you don't believe that you're a catalyst, then today, by the end of this message, you're going to believe it. I know, not because I'm good, because he's good. He's going to explain something to you. A lot of you don't realize what your purpose is. Write this down. Purpose identified creates passion. Purpose identified creates passion. The reason why some men are not passionate is because they don't know their purpose. The reason why some women are not passionate is because they don't know who God made them to be. They don't know the purpose of their life. They're, they don't know their destiny. Are you with me? So 90% of preaching and teaching is simply telling you exactly what God has already told you, but in a specific manner. And today I want to tell you that God has created you, spring of life, to be a catalyst 
Say that with me, a catalyst. Say it again, a catalyst. A catalyst is a, is a, is a unique word. The catalyst is usually not as big as the one that's being uh, prompted. Let me give you an example. Grant, can I have that, please? Can you just stand up here? No, not, not the salt, just, just that. Yeah, come on up here with me. Now, Grant is going to bring up on the stage and just hold up this. What is this? Hold it up tall. That's some dynamite that we're going to light in just a minute. If that didn't wake you up, elbow the person next to you and say, he says he's going to light some dynamite. You see, the dynamite, um, uh, it looks, hold up, you do it better, just hold it up high. The dynamite is dormant. You could throw it down, you could kick on it, you could do all you want to, but the minute that you bring a match into it, now we have potential for explosion. Are you hearing what I'm saying? All that potential is resting. But whenever the match is, let me ask you a question. Are the, are the sticks of dynamite larger or smaller than the match? They're larger. So what's smaller? The catalyst. You see, you are the match. And the world is the, 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 the focal point, the object, the potential. And God has thrown you into the world to light their fire. Are y'all hearing me yet? Amen. You just didn't know it. You might not have thought you had fire in you. Somebody say fire. Fire. It's not fire. It's fire. If you come to Powerhouse, we'll teach you how to say it. Fire. It's fire. You, you see, when, when this is lit and we begin the fuse, all of a sudden the potential is about to come alive. That's a catalyst. The dynamite will become a catalyst for a building if we're going to explode that or implode that. Do you got it? You've seen that on television where the building falls down? Well, this little bundle is what caused big buildings to fall down. But it had to be ignited as well by the fire. Are you with me today? Yeah? Okay. All right. I'm, I'm just starting right now. Thank you, Grant. Now, Dane, bring me that. Bring me that little shaker right there. Do you like illustrations? I, I love it. You know why? You're not going to forget that that person brought dynamite into the house today. That's what you're going to talk about at Luby's. Come on, yes? Matthew 5.13. Matthew 5.13. Say, I am. Say it again. I am a catalyst. All right. I'm going to get it in there. Matthew 5.13. Let's stand to our feet and read this today. We're going to read it off the screen. We stand in the presence of Jesus, right? And he is the captain of our salvation. Is that right? And the word of God is Jesus. Is that correct? Yeah, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word is God. Yes, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to read the word, and we're going to stand to attention. We're going to read it out loud because faith comes by and hearing by. So you're going to get some faith right now. You ready? All right, here we go. Out loud. Begin. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor... How shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled under feet. Verse 14. Go. You are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill and cannot be hidden. Verse 15. 
nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. Come on, guys, loud. But on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Verse 16, last verse. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Father, in Jesus' name today, I ask you to move upon the congregation and begin to open our eyes to understand that in these last days, you have called us to be catalyst. You have called us to be salt. You have called us to be light. You have called us to be set up on a hill to show forth the goodness and the glory of God. Father, save the souls of the unsaved today and use me to do it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Come on, give the Lord a big hand clap today. You may be seated. I like the way he starts off verse 14. He says, you are. Say that. You are. He wanted to make no mistakes out there. You are. No matter how old you are, what your gender is, or what your culture is, the Bible says you are. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are. Come on, say it like you mean it. Don't say it like you're in church. Say it like you mean it. You are. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. So let your light shine. You are the catalyst. You see, salt is interesting. Does anybody use salt? My wife jokes it because she says the first thing you pick up on the table is the salt. She said, you ought to taste your meat first. I said, I think I can pick up the salt first. I like salt. Anybody like salt like me? Pastor, that's not good. You shouldn't be advocating that. That's high blood pressure. I know, but I like salt. So I put salt on my salt. You say, How do you, why do you do that? I don't know. But, you know, everybody get chips? We like chips and salsa, chips and queso. Y'all like that? Y'all don't even know what I'm talking. You're going like this. Yeah, say, hey, yeah okay. So there's how many of the, the, the chips have salt on them? So I want to put some salt on the chips. So they always ask me, do you want some chips with your salt? What does salt do? It flavors. It brings out the flavor, doesn't it? I mean, just by itself, it's not all that great. But if you put it on a, a piece of meat... It makes that meat better because it allows your tongue to taste the seasonings. Does that make sense? It seasons it. In other words, the salt of the earth is who you and I are, and we make things better. Mm, three of you believe that. The rest of you need to get to understand something. You're saved by God that loves you and died for you and gave you a job. And that job is to save this world that's not saved. Does that make sense? You are the salt of the earth. You're the, without you, it's a bland existence. But you don't know that about yourself. You don't realize that. That's why you get down, you get depressed, and you begin to believe things that aren't right. Let me ask you a question. I heard a man say this one time. She knew where I was going to go with this. It impressed us. We say it all the time. Have you ever had somebody take a steak out and, and, and look at it and, say, and then have some salt and say, boy, that salt sure is steaky. They're just, it's still processing right now. It's, I wish y'all could see what I can see. It's like, what did he say? All right, did that, let me say it again. Have you ever said that, that salt sure is steaky? No, what do you say? The steak sure is salty. Why? Because you don't put steak on salt. Some of you are going to get it in just a minute. 
That's why you have to remain the salt of the earth. You dictate the circumstances of your life and the life of those around you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, this is a salt shaker. Interesting name. But how many know you got to turn it upside down before anything comes out? Some of y'all need to be turned upside down a little bit because you got some salt in you, but, but you, you hadn't done anything new in a few years. You're still doing the same old thing, expecting change. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good because I just look down like you don't know what I'm talking about. Read your Bible, write a note. That's how that works. What I've found out is that the salt is no good in the salt shaker. It's got to come out. I said, what you get in here today is seasoning for when you leave this building. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's for me too. Just because I preach doesn't mean I'm exempt from getting to put salt on people. You ever put salt on a, on a, on a, uh, what am I thinking, Grant? On a snail? A slug? Come on, you guys. Y'all looking at me like, I know your mama's sitting next to you or your wife or something, but you know you took a little slug out when you were a kid and you put salt on it. What happened? It didn't like it, did it? The slug did not like salt. It has an effect on living things. It makes them go, ooh, so does truth. I said, so does truth. And that's what this church is known for, is that not, we're not trying to be ugly or mean. We're just trying to make sure you understand this is what the truth is. And the truth doesn't always feel good on our flesh, does it? But the catalyst is put into the world to make a difference. And sometimes that difference makes it squimish a little bit, but it makes us come to ourselves like the prodigal son. We're our catalyst. Say, I am a catalyst. Dynamite comes in small packages, as we just saw. This is a statement that challenges us to not overlook quality for quantity. I want, I want, I want, to, I want you to bear with me for just a minute. It has no bearing, there is no, no reason why something small in numbers cannot do something big in impact. Matter of fact, that's the, 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 the match is much smaller than the dynamite, and the dynamite is much smaller than the building that it's going to explode, yes? But what has the impact? It's the catalyst. It is the catalyst, and you are that catalyst. My wife was a catalyst in her father's salvation. She had an opportunity. She sat on the bed with him, and she exploded with the gospel of Jesus Christ to where he exploded into heaven when he died. Do you understand what I'm saying? You see how that works? Yeah? Your pastors went to Hawaii on their 20th anniversary, and they were preaching the gospel on their, vac on their vacation on their anniversary. They were exploding. They were taking the opportunity to be a catalyst in somebody that was headed to hell. You were that match in somebody's life because you said, I know it's my vacation, I know it's our anniversary, but that person's headed to hell. I'm created to be a catalyst. I've got to do what I'm created to do. Do you understand that? And when you know your purpose, it creates passion. When you know your purpose, and your purpose is to be a catalyst today, the church is a catalyst you are a catalyst to your community. So in a sense, this church today of ever how many people, it really doesn't matter. It is a catalyst to the community because of what is inside of you. Do you understand that? 
My job as a preacher today is to be the match to your dynamite. My job is to set you on fire. Do you understand? So you can go outside and explode all over everybody that you see. Come on, they're waiting on that. They don't even know you yet, and they're waiting on that. The Bible says in the book of Romans, all of creation groans and travails until now, until the manifestation of the sons of God. What does that mean? Until a catalyst comes walking by. How many of you are born again? Yeah, if you're not, you get to be today. Isn't that cool? Wait a minute, that means if you're not, that means you're headed to hell. And I didn't send you there. That's just everybody's headed to hell. I mean, I'm headed, you know, without Jesus being my catalyst, I'm headed to hell. One day he exploded on the scene. He hung on a cross. He died for me and became the catalyst so that I don't have to go to hell. I can go to heaven. Now, I've got Jesus living in me so I can explode on you. And you've got Jesus living in you so you can explode on someone else. It's not an option. That's what you get to do. Why would you stifle the most powerful force on earth? We've got to learn how to begin to say things when we have that moment. God will put you in the most uh, incredible positions to say things. You men in your business, ladies in your business, you've got to learn to stand up for something that you believe in. Be committed to your church. Be committed to Jesus Christ. Be committed because a catalyst that's not committed is no catalyst at all. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? A church is a group of people that have one thing in common, a commitment to God that is so radical that it separates them from all other society. That's why that word church is actually ecclesia, which means set apart. You are set apart. You're not supposed to be like everyone else. If you're like everyone else, you're not salty. You're bland. You mesh in. Does that make sense? Well, pastor, we don't want to offend anybody. Listen, if you're preaching the gospel, you're not offending anyone. It's just offensive. It's offensive to what? To flesh. If somebody's headed to hell, the gospel is put there to stop it. You understand what I'm saying? Some people act like they want to go to hell. And your job is to stop it with the gospel. That's to turn them around and get them to head back towards the cross. That's why it looks offensive. Amen? Painful. Painful, but somebody's got to do that. God has given, listen, God has given you a chance to be on the team, in the game. Have you settled for a seat in the stands when he has chosen you to be on the field? I don't know. I'm just asking you these questions as the Holy Ghost leads me. Here's the good thing. If you feel like you've been sitting too long, good for you. I said, good for you. It's time to light your fire today. It's time to explode today. It's time to be a catalyst today. Come on. If you can't get excited about that, your wood's all wet. God has created you to be a catalyst, a preacher. Preach the gospel, every one of you. Preach the gospel. Proclaim the good news. On the flight over here, I saw all of these people. We, we, we have moved our home to San Antonio, Texas. Have you all ever heard of San Antonio? You, you've heard of it? They have a team called the Spurs over there. She said, boo. Okay, I'm, I'm with you. I knew they'd get a rise out of some of y'all and wake up the guy in the back row. That's good. The Spurs. So here comes all these families. And, of course, they're, they're walking right next, right by us on the plane. And, I mean, there's just one after the next, a whole three or four families. They got Spurs uh, T-shirts on. 
And I, I looked at them, and they're all little Hispanic people about that tall and, and about that wide. And they, they came walking through, and I thought, not one of those people played. I, I didn't see one of them on the court. I mean, I was looking, you understand, for, for, for some of the players that I watched in the, in, the, in the series, and I didn't see any of them walking, but they were fans. And they wanted you to know they bought the T-shirt. And they were proud about the Spurs because they actually lived in the city that the champions are from. But not one of them has probably ever picked up a basketball in quite some time. And I'm not talking basketball right now. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? I, I'm talking about the church. You see, a lot of times we wear the T-shirt and we get the bumper sticker and we walk out and we say, Hey, Jesus! And uh, that's about as far as our commitment goes. But I want to tell you that he's got more for you. He's got you to be a catalyst in your workplace, in your home, in your family. He's got a, you're a catalyst because you have the word of life. Your job is to begin to have confidence and commitment to the word of God and to this church. Amen? I want to leave you with this, this quick video, and, that, and that's it. I'm going to close out on that. You ready for that video? Now, now look. We started off with my wife ministering to you a little bit, a lady, and, and now we're going to have another lady uh, minister to you right now. But I want you to listen to their words because how many know the ladies are good with their words? You speak 25,000 a day. Come on, guys, we speak 10,000. By the time we get home, Mama's still revved up. You know, we're done. I watched this video. This, I think I received this from my, my friends at uh, Family Research Council, General Boykin, and, and it, was, it, was, it was very impressive to me that this one lady, and, and she is a, a believer. You'll need to get to know who she is. But watch how she begins to defend what she believes in. She's Muslim, and it's in a crowd about this size, and, and all of a sudden a woman, let me just set it up for you, another lady asked some questions about Benghazi. And how many know what I'm talking about on Benghazi? It's where we lost a lot of our American diplomats, right? And they were just, they were basically murdered. And this panel was to find out what our government's doing about it. And a, a Muslim lady speaks up from the back of the room and says, how come we don't have more Muslims represented here? And this lady takes that opportunity to begin to tell her and how she feels about being a Muslim American. I want you to listen to it, and I want you to think about patterns and principles. I want you to think about how she's being a catalyst. I want you to think about this worldwide opportunity she had, and I want you to begin to think about the opportunities you have every day to be prepared to speak up for Jesus Christ. Are you all hearing what I'm saying? All right, now you have to listen real close because she speaks a, a little bit unique English. You ready, guys? Let's turn the lights down and run that. Go ahead. Peace to you all. My name is Saba Ahmed. I'm a law student at American University. I am here to ask you a simple question. I know that we portray Islam and all Muslims as bad, but there's 1.8 billion Muslim followers of Islam. We have 8 million plus Muslim Americans in this country, and I don't see them represented here. But my question is, how can we fight an ideological war with weapons? How can we ever end this war? The jihadist ideology that you talk about, it's an ideology. How can you ever win this thing if you don't address it ideologically? Great question. I am so glad you're here, and I am so glad you brought that up because, us, because it gives us an opportunity to answer. 
what I find so amazing is since the beginning of this panel, which we are here about Benghazi attack against our people, not one person mentioned Muslims. We are here against Islam or we're launching war against Muslims. We are here to discuss how four Americans died and what our government is doing. We were not here to bash Muslims. You were the one who brought up the issue about most Muslims, not us. And since you brought it up, allow me to elaborate with my answer. There are 1.2 billion Muslims in the world today. Of course not all of them are radicals. The majority of them are peaceful people. The radicals are estimated to be between 15 to 25 percent according to all intelligence services around the world. That leaves 75 percent of them peaceful people. But when you look at 15 to 25 percent of the world Muslim population, you're looking at 180 million to 300 million people dedicated to the destruction of Western civilization. That is as big of the United States. So why should we worry about the radicals 15 to 25 percent? Because it is the radicals that kill. Because it is the radicals that behead and massacre. When you look throughout history, when you look at all the lessons of history, most Germans were peaceful, yet the Nazis drove the agenda. And as a result, 60 million people died, almost 14 million in concentration camps, 6 million were Jews. The peaceful majority were irrelevant. When you look at Russia, most Russians were peaceful as well. Yet the Russians were able to kill 20 million people. The peaceful majority were irrelevant. When you look at China, for example, most Chinese were peaceful as well. Yet the Chinese were able to kill 70 million people. The peaceful majority were irrelevant. When you look at Japan prior to World War II, most Japanese were peaceful as well. Yet Japan was able to butcher its way across Southeast Asia, killing 12 million people, mostly killed with bayonets and shovels. The peaceful majority were irrelevant. On September 11th in the United States, we had 2.3 million Arab Muslims living in the United States. It took 19 hijackers, 19 radicals, to bring America down to its knees, destroy the World Trade Center, attack the Pentagon, and, and kill almost 3,000 Americans that day. The peaceful majority were irrelevant. So for all our powers of reasons and us talking about moderate and peaceful Muslims, I'm glad you're here. But where are the others speaking out? And since you are the only Muslim representative, Muslim representative in here, you took the limelight instead of speaking about why our government, and I assume, are you an American? You're an American citizen. So as an American citizen, you sat in this room and instead of standing up and saying a question or asking something about our four Americans that died and what our government is doing to correct the problem, you stood there to make a point about peaceful, moderate Muslims. I wish you brought 10 with you to question about what, how we can hold our government responsible. It is time we take political correctness and throw it in the garbage where it belongs and stop calling it Are you stirred? Are you stirred up? She was a catalyst that's gonna, that just planted a word in our minds, come on, 
that the next opportunity we have, we're going to do something about it, yes? We're not going to sit around. We admire that. That's exactly what Jesus did. That's exactly what I'm trying to do. That's exactly what your pastors do day in and day out. They stir you up as a catalyst so that you can go out into the world and say what this woman was saying. The silent, the silent majority, she said they were irrelevant. Why? Because they needed a catalyst. And when there was no godly catalyst, Hitler showed up. If you don't step up, a negative catalyst will. But when God steps up inside of you, like Jesus did, are you hearing what I'm saying? And he only took 12 men. He changed the world. What was the similarity between Jesus and those 19 young men that died to bring down America, to bring down the, ta the Twin Towers? Commitment. They, they had already died before they got on that plane. Jesus died in a garden. He said, not my will, but thy will be done. He made the decision to be committed to you. Because if he wouldn't have gone through with what he did, none of us would have the ability to go to heaven. I want to challenge you today. You are the catalyst. I said you are the catalyst. Amen. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap today. Thank you for allowing us to be here today. Would you stand to your feet today? Hallelujah. I want to pray for you today. If you're not born again, I want to encourage you. Today is the day. I challenge you. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, I command you to be saved. That's a catalyst. That's where a catalyst speaks. I command you to explode. I command you to get saved. If you're not born again today, I want you to just pray with me right now. And only you can do this. Only you can commit to Christ. I can't do that. I can lead you in a prayer. The prayer doesn't save you. It's your heart when it's committed to Christ. Would you bow your heads with me for just a minute? If you are a believer, just say this with me today. Say, Jesus. Come on, say it out loud. If you're a believer, you shouldn't be ashamed. Jesus, I am not ashamed of the gospel that saved my life. I give you my life, and I ask for power today to be the catalyst in my family, in my church, and in my community. Don't ever... Let me re, uh, fall back. Today, I am saved. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give him a hand clap today. Pastor.